Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Home Builders. We're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you very much uh, for your faithfulness and giving. Uh, our offering today for Parkview was $312. So we have met the goal and exceeded that. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Um, don't you love how God works? You're hearing testimonies this morning. And we're talking again about faith. And I, I'm, Dr. Falwell, I'm borrowing your book title. Uh, building dynamic faith. As we go through our family, uh, there, I, there's no question in my mind that on my last day on this earth, the day, if I'm aware that that's the day, I, or most likely that I'm going to die, when I look back over my life, the most important thing at that point will be my own personal faith and trust in God and how I lived that out and how I was able to pass that on to others, my family most importantly. How, in other words, how, how has my family lived out their faith? Again, every, every person is responsible for themselves and God will hold each of us accountable ourselves. Okay? That's a given. However, at the same time, what we do is important, and building dynamic faith in our own personal lives and lives of others is important. And so, sharing testimony, um, what God does through prayer and by faith, believing that God can work. Okay? Listening to your various testimonies this morning. That God is faithful, that God will work, that God can do the impossible, that God can heal. That, and he doesn't always choose to do that. And we have to then face by faith what we're going to go through during that trial. What we're going to experience as a result of this negative thing that's going on in our life that we think is negative, but God can use for the positive. That God can actually work and use and bless our life individually. Because without faith, Hebrews 11, 6 says, it is impossible to please God. Now think about that. God is our creator. God is the creator of all things. God made you, Psalm 139, fearfully and wonderfully you were made. God doesn't make any junk, right? You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were crafted by God. It, even in, in the frailties of life, as well as in our strengths, our weaknesses, as well as our strength. Because remember what Paul said, okay, that he learned from the Lord, 
The Lord said to him, my strength is made perfect in what? My strength is made perfect in? Do you ever feel weak? I can't do this. Yes. And that's where faith comes in. That learning how to trust God in the midst of things that you have no control over. There are things that will happen in your life that you have no control over. But God does. And God can work. Okay? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That we seek the Lord and not just try to fix it ourselves. Guys, ladies, we don't have to fix it ourselves. In fact, in many cases, we can't. And in some cases, we just have to endure. So when a person says they have faith, what do they mean? In other words, I have faith. I, I, I believe. Okay? It can, it can have both a secular and sacred meaning, right? It can come from it from those two different perspectives. A secular view of faith is faith is something that is believed without reason. In other words, they, it's, it is, is a rival to reason or that which is unverifiable. In other words, sometimes people look at the Christian life of faith as being, well, you can't, you can't prove that. Put God in the test tube. Show me God and I'll believe. You can't do that. It's unverifiable. How, that's how they at least think through that process. That's how they sometimes look at it and say, wait a minute now. I don't believe that. Or, you know, it's just something that is believed. And you just kind of go. And sometimes, unfortunately, Christians even use the concept a leap of faith or blind faith. A Christian view is faith means to trust or believe something that is verifiable or logical or reasonable, but not necessarily scientifically verifiable. Okay, yeah. And I would add that not necessarily. Not necessarily. Scientifically verifiable because many of the things we've seen, they are scientifically verifiable. It's just someone's bias or, to be honest, erroneous calculations. Which are being used because we're not as smart as we thought we were. Exactly. And so, and again, these are secular versus Christian views. And as we look at this, we can believe things that are verified. In other words, uh, I'll just use this as an example. Now, ten years ago, I would have just jumped up there. <laughs> I'm not praying about it <laughs> I believe this chair is going to hold me up. I have faith in this chair. Okay? Is that what we, when we say saving faith? Is that saving faith? No. no. Now, here's the thing. I could say this is faith. And I still would not get it correct. Just because I'm sitting in the chair doesn't mean I have faith in this chair. Because if it starts to go, 
I can stand up. And a lot of times there's an idea of faith that says, well, faith with works. I'm going to put these two things together. It's me and God working this out together. Lou is fully standing on the chair. Some of you are going to think I'm, I'm done. You're, you're reacting because I'm believing in this chair completely. If it goes, am I going with it? Yes. That's Christian faith. Okay? It's believing something, putting your trust in something, holding firm to something that says uh, everything's relying on that. Now that's faith in relationship to your salvation. Okay? And I think that's important to understand. Thank you, Chair, for the illustration. You started this monologue by saying that this were my last day on earth. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are examples of non-religious things we believe by faith? I gave you one. You, I have faith in this, in that chair. Okay. What else do we have? In a secular, in other words, not necessarily a religious view. What are things that we have faith in? Oh, did I turn it off? Yeah, I turned it off. Thanks. Cell phone communications. You, you assume your cell phone communication is going to work. The brakes on our car. The, your, the brakes on your car are going to work when you put your foot to the brake. Pardon? Yeah. You, you want to expect that. Yeah, somebody else did something else over here. The medicines you take. The medicine you take will work. You have faith that when you have a headache, if you take a couple of Tylenol or whatever you can take, it will go away. Or soreness will be relieved because of the medicine you take. Or your high cholesterol or high blood pressure will be reduced by the statin or whatever else that you take. Whatever that you, you believe. In, in that, that it's going to work. Whether it does or not, we don't know, but that's what we believe in. Why do we put our trust in those things? It's happened a hundred times before. Yeah. It's happened hundreds of times before. Or to yourself. Or what, what else? Others' experiences. Others' experiences. It worked for them. It will work for me. Okay, good. Okay. Are they reliable? In other words, can you trust those things? Yes. And no. For example, how many of you have ever went to your car to start it up at some point in your life and it didn't? You assumed it was going to work. You had faith. In fact, your planning of your schedule, how many of those of you have ever experienced something like that? And because of that experience, you were then late to something else. Okay? Because we just assumed it was going to work for us. Okay? In fact, if we're not careful, some of the things that we trust in, like that, can get us in trouble because we cut too close to making assumptions. Okay? What do we do when we 
go around that corner really quickly and realize there's a child on a little bicycle in the middle of the road. Are we ready to stop quickly at that point? Or whatever the case may be. What we do when those things don't come to pass? What are examples of how we respond when those things don't come to pass? Carlton gave one example. He gets frustrated. What else? You can be fearful. I came out of high school where I was teaching, and the first time I stepped on the brakes to go home, they didn't take, and I couldn't stop all the way home for 25 minutes. So I had to downshift and go really slow and pray the lights would change. And that was a little fearful. Yeah, that, that would be fearful. <laughs> It gives you new faith by driving yourself on the road and those vehicles are out there too. Right? Or it gives you a different perspective of why are they going slow in front of me? Do we know always the reasons for why someone drives the way they do? Other than you're a, well, I will go What else do, how else do we respond? Anger. Anger? Fix it. They just fix it. Get it done. Sets off a whole series of other events. You're calling on the phone, I'm going to be late, I'm going to, you know, it just. It, it, it yeah. Just it creates a whole, whole series of events that, that then have to transpire. What are examples of religious things we believe by faith? <laughs> when we pray, Pardon? God listens. The Bible, we believe by faith. When we pray, God listens. When we pray to God's listening, we assume he's listening to us. His word tells us that he listens. What else? When we worship him. When we worship him, we, we trust what? When we worship him. I meant worship as in praise. Oh, is in praise, okay. What else do we trust him? That he created us. That he created us? Do you ever pray and believe he's going to answer your prayer? You see, this is where it gets a little challenging, right? We believe that God answers prayer. And let me just, by testimony here this morning, okay? Have you ever prayed for something and God didn't answer it? It's okay to raise your hand. God already knows, right? He didn't answer it the way you wanted it. Yeah. He didn't answer it the way I wanted it answered. Okay. Or yes. Laura's providing us some context here. See, we often pray believing, but does not scripture tell us if you ask anything in my name, I will do it? If we have the faith of a mustard seed. Yeah, according to his will in other places. You see, sometimes when we have faith and believe that God's going to do something, we, we, and we see maybe even God do it in Carlton's life. Or Carlton's friend's life. But God, I asked for that and it didn't happen that way. So then what? See, the Christian life isn't cookie cutter. Because that wouldn't be faith. 
If we already know what God's going to do, why do we have to trust in it? <coughs> when we believe in Jesus, when we believe in God, we know that he has our best interests in mind. But even that we have to take on faith. That we have to trust God for that truth. That God knows what's best. And so there are times when we go, I don't understand that. Okay? I don't know why that happened. I don't know why God allowed that to occur. And let me tell you, when you don't trust God through that lens, life can get very frustrating. In other words, when we go, you know, God, um, I don't understand that. I was on a series of texts last night with my siblings, Linda, Larry, Lori, uh, or excuse me, Linda was on, Larry, Lori, and Lee, Linda doesn't, she's, doesn't do texts, she doesn't understand that, so she just kind of stays out of it. And they were talking about memories. Now, I'm the youngest of five. Larry is in his early 70s. I think he's 72. You know, Lori's going to be 70 this year, uh, etc. Et okay? And um, so I'm the youngest of them and proud of it. <laughs> and it was interesting. They were talking about vacations. And, and they mentioned going to Michigan for on a vacation, and, and my brother Lee from California said, man, yeah, I love Mackinac Island and the, and the sand dunes and you know, going camping in Lake Michigan, and, and they're reminiscing, and my oldest brother Larry, who was deeply scarred by my father and his discipline, said, by 69, I was out of there. So that wasn't, that wasn't my vacation. I was gone out of that home. And I could feel the anger still in my brother who's in his 70s. And he's never, and even though we've had multiple conversations about this, he has not been able to process. You know what? We, we had what we had, but how do you deal with what you have will also be really important. How do you process that? How do you live with, understand, did God make my dad be abusive? Yes or no? No, that was my dad's choice. And that definitely deeply wounded our family at times. But the bottom line becomes, how you deal with that then is extremely important. How you process God and how he works it's very important. When these things don't come to pass, how do we respond? How do we deal with it? What do we do? You know, in other words, we can say, I have faith, and we believe God for these things. But what happens when they don't come to pass? Faith has an opportunity to grow. Though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Yeah. And these are the things, when you go, where did you get that? That's a great statement. Though they slay me, yet will I serve him. Though he slay me. The Bible. The Bible. 
Okay? So in other words, when you go into scripture, how do you apply that knowledge, that experience that they're going through to your own personal life? And you know what? God loves the faithful and those that are faithless. And it works in their life too. I'm always amazed at Jesus. <coughs> I am, I, let me know. I know Jesus. Jesus is my best friend and I'm not Jesus. Right? I am not Jesus because I wouldn't respond this way. But I love the Bible. Here you have the disciples experiencing the resurrected Jesus. He comes into their midst. These are people that have hung out together for three years with Jesus. And Thomas comes in, who was with him through the miracles. And they tell Peter, Jesus is rose from the grave. Unless I put my hands in his fingers, in his hands, and in his side, I won't believe. I won't believe. One of his best friends and a group, not just one, but multiple people saying, Jesus is rose from the grave. I don't believe it. Jesus walks into the midst of them. He looks at Thomas, who was not there when he said that, and says, Thomas, go ahead. The holes are still there. What does Thomas do at that point? He falls on his face before Jesus and declares, my Lord and my God. And he says, you know what? It's okay to see and believe. But blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. That's us. When you can't see the hand of God working immediately in your situation. And we don't even understand why God is doing this. God does the miraculous. And so when we go through some of these lessons. Through these biblical examples. And we start looking at these things. And we go, how did God work in the Bible? That's when you as a disciple. And a disciple maker. You look at scripture and you go. That's how God did it for them. He can do it for me too. And it doesn't matter how old or how young you are in this room. There are things that you're going to go through. Can I trust God to help me in my situation? But my friends are telling me this. But I wouldn't believe that because that's what God says. Can I trust God for my friend? Or for my situation that I'm facing? Lessons from the women and men of faith in the Bible. And we're going to be looking at some of these over the, uh, this week and next. Just kind of walking through some of these scenarios. And it's 11.53. Um, I'm going to get through this passage. And what I'd like you to do, everybody has these, right? 
Do you, you have a lesson sheet, correct? I, will, I, I know this is not class in the sense of education school, but I would like for you to read these passages before next Sunday. I'm going to begin today, let's look at this, and read through this later. When King Xerxes' fury had subsided, what did, he, what did King Xerxes do? He got ticked off with his wife, and what happened to her? Huh? Yep, her up. He remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendant proposed, Hey, let a search be made for a beautiful young virgin for the king. When the turn came, and again, I'm jumping around here to give you full context. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abel, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. Okay? Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women. And she won favor and his approval and approval more than any of the other persons. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of, son of Amadatha, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. And all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman. For the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, There are certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. Uh, let me tell you something. That dude was rich. This is literally tons of silver. It's not just a little bit of silver. And basically, King Jersey says, keep your money. Just do it anyway. When Mordecai heard, learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned him tender and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. We know what happened. He's already decreed every Jew, everyone's going to be destroyed. Everyone's going to be killed. Hathak went back and reported Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned to the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I have been called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back his answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's, in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent, back, sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. 
and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, and though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. See, she could not go to the king unless she was summoned. But she was going to go instead. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Wow, she has favor. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther banquet as they, had, as they were drinking wine on the second day, because she did the first day, and said, hey, have Haman come, Haman come here too. Now they're doing it on the second day, and the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Give it up to half the kingdom. It will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet. Because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he, the man who has dared to do such a thing? Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman realized that the king had already decided to fate. Stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch room. Esther was reclining. The king explained, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had set it up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, Impale him on it. <laughs> so they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. Now write another decree in the king's name in behalf of the Jews as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his reign can be revoked. Now, we know what happened in this scenario. So what I'm going to do, I'm not going to read this story again next week. We're setting up, you see it, come back next week, and we're going to answer these questions of how did God work by Esther's faith, what she believed, and how does God use that in our own personal lives? All right? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to build dynamic faith in our lives. Satan wants to tear us down to seek. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. But you've come to give us life, life abundant. Help us to believe that, Lord. Help us to know that you're not against us, but you're for us. That we are the friend of God. The God. Your ways are not our, always our ways. May we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week. Amen.